Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast. I am your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros NBA. Uh, we'll be joined by Corbin in just a moment. Uh, this is a very unique podcast episode because we're currently live on Periscope as well. Um, and we are currently watching Rockets Lakers um, because Corbin follows the Lakers. I follow the Rockets, of course. We figured a unique way to have a podcast episode was to watch ourselves or record ourselves really watching at least the first half of the game. So that's what we're doing right now. So you can be, you might be following along on Periscope and then maybe listen to the episode the next morning. Um, but regardless, let's get Corbin on. Corbin, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Lakers up early. So, you know, good night yeah. so far. That's right. It's 7-5 Lakers uh, with 8.20 to go in the first quarter. Um, throughout this episode, we'll be focusing mostly on Rockets-Lakers as Brook Lopez gets another rebound. Um, but we'll we'll throw in some analysis of other teams and topics uh, throughout the podcast episode as, as well during the you know breaks of play, timeouts, quarter you know breaks, halftime, etc. Um, so, of course, anyone on the Periscope... Um, please send in your questions or comments. Could be Rockets related, could be Lakers related, could be just NBA related, and we'll, we'll throw them out and we'll answer them and we'll talk about them because the more questions we have, the more we have to discuss You know, during slow parts of the game, which I have on mute behind me right now. Um, I also want to mention that we are now we now have a sponsor in Draft. Um, if anyone plays Daily Fantasy, I know I do, um, you can sign up with Draft, and if you use promo code 94FEET in all caps, um, you get free entry into a $3 contest with your first deposit. Um, and Draft basically is a kind of, it's a daily fantasy site, but it's very different to DraftKings or FanDuel because there are no, um, there's no salary cap, and you actually do a real live snake draft to get your lineup of five players per night. Um and they say that you have an 80% chance, your chances of winning are increased by 80% on draft compared to the salary cap sites because you have to actually draft a lineup anymore. You know, you can't have um, these daily fantasy pros just beating you every night because they submit like 300 lineups and they're going to beat you. So play draft, sign up with code 94 feet, all caps to get free entry with your first deposit. And that's enough sponsor talk. Uh, Corbin, it's 9-5 Lakers. It's been a pretty rough start for the... Um, Rockets so far. Brook Lopez has gotten two key offensive rebounds over one over Capella and just one over you know Harden and, and Paul trying to box him out. Um, what are you looking for with the Lakers tonight? They're on the second night of a back to back while the Rockets haven't played since Wednesday. I know. I'm really hoping they try to get Chris Paul and James Harden frustrated. I see some early calls already going against the Rockets, just out of bounds calls and plays like that, questionable fouls. Try to limit their three point attempts. That's way easier said than done. But so far, just going over pick and roll. Also trying to have Brook Lopez a little more intimidating in the post, you know, <laughs> if he can be that. <laughs> Limit some easy Capella lobs. Just, just be an irritant tonight. Maybe you guys, I mean, I know we're tired. We already had a game yesterday, but maybe we can come in there and, you know, make things at least tough for Houston. If not, steal a game at home. Yeah, I mean, the Rockets so far have looked to get Ryan Anderson involved quite often, and it hasn't been working. They haven't really been getting a lot of good looks. Um, a lot of calls against the Rockets uh, so far. Another offensive call, offensive foul uh, against the Rockets. I think it was Eric Gordon who was setting a screen. Um, not a great start. It's 11-5 Lakers with 7.20 to go in the first now. Obviously, the Rockets were in L.A. as of Friday, I believe. So, you know, L.A. nightlife, they say, is undefeated. And so maybe, <laughs> maybe that'll be the case tonight. Also, I mean, if you if anyone obviously follows me or obviously follows the Rockets, they've been getting off to some pretty slow starts against some mediocre competition as Capella <clears throat> tries to get a layup oh, and misses. Oh. Um, ooh. ooh, Harden with a, a tough and wide-open Anderson three. 
splash. Anderson's not going to miss smart. many of those. Um, the Rockets have been getting off to some really slow starts. Um, they did it against the Knicks when the Knicks were missing like half their starting lineup. Brandon Ingram with a nice reverse dunk. Ooh, ooh. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be funny to see which <laughs> of our streams is uh, synced in. Um, but slow starts for the Rockets are not that uncommon, really. Um, it's all about how they pick it up in the second and third as their defense kind of locks in. Anderson with a deep three and he misses. Um, so yeah, nice start by the Lakers so far, but we'll be seeing, I mean, obviously they usually, usually this, the effects of a second night of a back-to-back come into play in the second half, um, but we'll see if they can keep it up. Yeah. So right now it's 13-8 Lakers, 6-13 to go in the first quarter. Chris Paul has subbed out for Eric Gordon. If you're not familiar with the Rockets, they usually, they do that. Um, Gordon comes in for Paul and Paul will come back in around one or two minutes left in the first and then run the second unit offense in the second quarter. And they'll do the same substitution pattern in the second half as well. And it's the first timeout break with six minutes to go in the first. Lakers up 13-8. So Corbin, let's talk about another team. Um, we had prepared a note. We had prepared notes as if we were going to do a traditional podcast episode, but obviously we decided to do that, change that at the last minute. So you had a baseline question for me, and anyone who's not familiar with our podcast, we do six segments to cover the ninety-four feet of a court, and the first segment is the baseline question, which one of us comes up with a question for the other. So your your base. So why don't you tell me what your baseline question was and what some of your ideas or notes were coming into tonight? Okay, so you know, just looking at these last. Two teams aside from the Warriors have just been on the top of the NBA, also excluding the Celtics. But I was talking about the Cavs and the Rockets. And my question to you was, who has been the most impressive to you lately? And I have a a couple of stats, obviously, you know, supporting what's been done for the Cavs during their recent stretch. But on the Cavs side, during this streak, they've had the third most efficient offense in the league and the fifth most efficient defense compared to their early start this season when they were last, dead last in defensive efficiency. That's a marked improvement. LeBron's been averaging 28 points, 8.2 rebounds, 8.5 assists, shooting career highs from the field, 58%, and from three at 42%. And they've been doing this without the services of Derrick Rose for the most part, Amon Shumpert, Tristan Thompson, and, of course, Isaiah Thomas. On the other hand, you have the Rockets, who have won six straight since Chris Paul's returned, averaging 118.5 points per 100 possessions, while limiting the opponents to 97.2 points per 100 possessions. Um, they've been really playing well with the two elite playmakers, which kind of disproves a lot of what most of us thought, you know, going into the season. Yeah. Um, they're plus 53 and 83 hard minutes without Chris Paul, and they're plus 42 and 50 Chris Paul, no Chris um, James Harden minutes. So, again, just giving you all those stats in context, who has been more impressive to you and why? I'm, okay, so... I'm going to go with the Rockets. I don't want to sound biased, but uh, I mean, so we're going to go with, I'm just going to take it as the month of November overall. And I think just zooming out back to the whole month paints the picture of the Rockets being significantly better. And the Cavs obviously have stepped up in their winning streak, but taking that whole last month of a whole, the net rating for both teams, Rockets net rating was 17.3. The Cavs was 6.1 in November. And, I mean, obviously, both teams have had really easy schedules. I mean, the Rockets have had a very easy schedule. They've had a lot of days off between games. They've been playing some pretty mediocre opponents. Um, and the Cavs have as well. They've had some pretty nice wins. Like, they completely blew out the Pistons in Detroit. was really impressive. But overall, they haven't had the most tough or difficult schedule during this winning streak or the month of November overall. Um, and then I'm looking at the defense. And in November, the Cavs had the 23rd-ranked defense while the Rockets had the third-ranked defense. And that's a whole month. I mean, obviously, the Cavs' defense has stepped it up during the winning streak, but I'm looking at the whole month overall. 
Um, and that's why I think that the Rockets are more impressive because they're beating teams by a larger margin and their defense has been better. And we actually got a question on our Periscope and it just disappeared, but I think it was saying, do you think Houston needs to make a trade to become a true contender, I think was the question. It was something about Houston, do they need to make a trade? Um, and it's tough. I, I want to wait until we get you know into January, at least a little bit closer. At least I want to see another month of Rockets basketball because right now I almost want to say that they don't need to make a trade. Um, and you know, if depending on what the trade is, if you kind of bring in someone really significant, you kind of can mess things up. Now they brought in Lou Williams last year. He helped out in the first round against the Thunder. wasn't that good in the second round against the Spurs. Obviously, he's a very limited player, as in he can only really help you on the offensive side of the ball. But right now, the Rockets could use a fourth guard. I mean, but obviously, not, that's not someone you really need to trade for. I mean, you could probably pick someone up, up in the buyout market or free agent market or something like that. I mean, if they could get a wing that could kind of playmake a little bit so they don't have to rely only on Paul or Harden, um, that would help. But it's again, it's it's hard to get someone who's good enough, a good enough wing that can play make and play decent defense at the trade deadline without having given up significant assets. And the Rockets don't really have assets to give up, obviously. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously the Rockets will probably be going to a small ball lineup in the playoffs, especially against a team like the Warriors who they want to match up with. Um, they've got Mbamute, Ariza, and Tucker to kind of fill out a small ball lineup. Guys like Gordon and, and Harden can surround them. Um, I think they need. A, I, need the, I think they could use another wing, especially to kind of limit Ariza's minutes down the stretch. Um, but it remains to be seen how or, or, or who they could get for their limited assets and, and what the p- potential deal would be. Sure. And um, yeah, I don't know if you have any comments on that. It's currently fourteen thirteen Lakers with five twenty two to go in the first for those not watching the game itself and just watching us on Periscope. But thank you for the question, by the way. Anyone on Periscope, you know, feel free to throw out some questions, comments of the game, comments about the NBA in general, etc. Brandon Ingram just hit a jumper. It's 16-13 Lakers. Five, six. I like the way Ingram's been playing, too. Mm-hmm. He was really impressive in that game against the Warriors. Eric Gordon's chucking away from three. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise sometimes, there. Sometimes it, it amuses me when I when I – watch or like hear people who don't watch the Rockets regularly when they watch them and they'll be like what kind of shot is that like Eric Gordon shooting from 30 feet and I'm like that's such a common thing I see that like eight times a game at least like mm-hmm. it's true so I actually got a couple questions um I wanted to share with you Eric let's get it got it from at Kungu underscore NBA so it's a couple Lakers centric I'll start them, but of course need the feedback man the first one is, is it possible that Lonzo just might not be a good shooter? I struggle to answer that because in college, the stats seem to be okay. I'm not pulling off offhand, but they weren't as horrendous as they are now. And yes, he has a unique shooting form. I know it all too well because it's actually the one I have in, in, <laughs> actual, in actual street games. So I get it. But I, I think half is confidence and the other half is technique. It's an awkward shot for sure. There's, you know, you can't really compare it to a bunch of other NBA shots that we've seen, but it, at least in college, it did prove effective. When when he gets it off right with proper rotation, you know, if, if it comes out in his own unique way and it, and it looks solid going out, then I don't think it's an issue. But with the way he has been shooting, I think at this point it's more of a confidence issue than anything. And I may be wrong and might want some of your feedback on that, Eric, but that's what it looks like to me. Well, he, you know. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, oh my God. He just threw a, Alonzo just threw a pass 
Like Ingram was running under the rim and Lonzo threw the pass <laughs> and it hit the backboard and the rim. Like it was yes. a shot. It was a weird play. Um, Lonzo shot 41% as Harden takes a nice layup over Ingram. L- Lonzo shot 41% on threes in college. So, I mean, that you could either say, wow, that's one year where he shot well and maybe that was the one year anomaly and maybe he's just not that good of a shooter. Or you could say maybe it'll revert back. Um, I tend to think that he won't be a great shooter, but he could kind of, you know, round out as like a 34 to 35% three-point shooter. Like basically average to slightly below average, I think is what could happen as Eric Gordon hits a layup to take the lead for the Rockets. 19-18 with 3.21 to go in the first timeout Lakers. Um, so I, I'm at the opinion where I just don't think he'll be a, ever be a great shooter, but he can be an average to maybe a little bit below average three-point shooter for his career. Okay, I get you on that. That, that's kind of what I'm, I'm hoping he is. I mean, sure, we'll, we'll see moving forward, but that's that was a good one. The second one was how long can Luke Walton go on with these lineups before it has impact on team chemistry? And so I'm assuming he's talking about the minutes involving Kyle Kuzma um, as well as Julius Randle and also now with as far as how those two are playing and why like Julius Randle isn't. He goes from getting a ton of minutes to, to not getting any minutes and, of course, you have a lot of front court depth, at least in the forward spots for the Lakers because you have Kyle Kuzma. You, ha- you have um, you have um, Ingram, of course, playing small forward. You, you have um, Julius Randle. You have Brooke Lopez. Andrew Bogut gets minutes. Larry Nance, of course, is, is there. So I'm thinking how long is there are the shuffling of the Lakers roster going to be before it has an impact? I'm not sure. I think – Julius Randle has been nothing from what I've seen, nothing but professional as far as just to make, making the most of whatever minutes he gets. But at this point, who's to say that there hasn't already been an impact, you know? Because he does have some, uh, mostly in the front court, in my opinion. Of course, he was benching um, Lonzo Ball for a couple of fourth quarters for a couple of games. So that was concerning. But as far as what direction are the Lakers going, what direction is Luke Walton trying to go with this team, I think is a more important question. Because you're going to play Andrew Bogan minutes, but you're not a contender. You're not fighting for a playoff spot. So... Yes, he may need some minutes, you know, coming off the bench. That's why he signed him, certain. But when you have all these young bigs on your team, you have a a BCS Zubox that you have on your team. That's I probably butchered that name, but <laughs> he, you know, he's been buried. You you have um, Julius Randle, who's been playing really well when he's been in. Kyle Kuzma has, of course, been playing great. So it's just a matter of setting direction. If you're gonna go with youth, go with that. You know, Julius Randle is gonna you're gonna have to make a real big decision on him coming next year. And they're restricted free agents. So what are you what are you going to do? And yeah. I don't know. I, I can't tell you that had impact so far. Not that I've seen. I mean, it's not like there's been any pouting or anything Marcus all wise. But by that same token, I would say for Luke Walton to, to obviously take a better care of, of managing his t- his teammates and who I mean his roster and who he's going to give minutes to, like how he's going to distribute it. Because to me, I, I don't know. It hasn't really been great. Ooh, Larry Nance with seven points and five rebounds. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, First, I've gotten a couple questions on the Periscope of who's talking, and we are, for the Periscope viewers, we are currently recording an episode of the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast, so if I'm not talking, it's my co-host, Corbin Ford, who you can follow on Twitter, at Corbin Ford NBA. So if I'm not talking, that is who's talking. Um, Someone else said to show the game. Well, unfortunately, I really can't show the game because then I'd be holding the camera showing the game. We don't have the technology of uh, the Twitter NBA show to, to have a camera always on the game. Sorry. Maybe maybe in the future, hopefully, if this works out. But uh, um, So back to the question, yeah. I mean, I don't admittedly watch enough Lakers to kind of know the consistent rotations. I do know that I'm a big fan of Julius Randle, and his playing time is pretty inconsistent. 
as Eric Gordon misses a three. It's 21-19 Lakers, 252 in the, in the first quarter. Um, I mean, my thing is, like, this is not the finished Lakers, so kind of trying to decide who to play when and how and what role and who to play in the front court and, and who gets a consistent role and who doesn't is kind of hard to really judge or evaluate when this really definitely isn't the finished product of the Lakers because obviously they have really big free agency plans this summer and obviously it's been rumored that they don't really have interest in, in Randall to come back because they want the, the max cap space to sign you know maybe for them hopefully two stars but I mean Randall you know he's playing well in his minutes so maybe he can get a, a pretty big contract that gets him out of LA because I think that the Lakers are not keen to pay him you know more than like I don't know the mid-level exception I think or something like that like they're not going to pay him like 10 plus million a year unless they completely strike out in free agency as Nene gets a layup off of Chris Paul's feed 21-21 with about 2.15 to go in the first quarter um, if you're on Periscope please send in some questions comments could be Rockets Lakers related could just be NBA related um, if it is NBA related we'll probably get to it in like a commercial or something but please keep the comments and questions going oh got a question right now Corbin the question is the Lakers in three years will be really good elite level again do you agree it really depends on the moves they make coming in. Are, yeah. are, they, are the Lakers going to make any moves come offseason in free agency? How will the development of Alonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram shake out moving forward? Will a Jordan Clarkson be on the roster as a, super, as a, as a really good six-man? Will, will, will he develop into one? Right now he's a gunner off the bench, but how will he develop as a six-man moving forward? Will Julius Randle still be on the team? That's a tough one to answer. I'm With this new Magic Johnson-led ownership, as far I mean um, front office, I don't know because, I mean, we can go off of the last couple of three, four years where we just made big swing and misses in free agency. So I can't really answer that solidly. I'd like to think that the Lakers would be a solid playoff team in that time. I think with, with the with the people they have right now, if Lonzo Ball does shake out, if Brennan Ingram does become the kind of star that I think and, and some people think that he can be, then I, I'm willing to say that. But I, I don't know about, I don't know. That, that's a tough one for me. It's tough. It really depends on this offseason. That's what I think. That's the thing. I think it, it, a lot is riding on its offseason. That's the thing. It's like, this is like one of the teams where like they have young talent, but they're not like, their plans are to sign, you know, hopefully for them two stars in free agency and completely change the trajectory of their team. So if they can't sign anyone, that really changes, you know, how good they can be. Um, and obviously we got to talk about, I mean, how does Ingram develop? How does Lonzo Ball develop? What about Kyle Kuzma? I mean, if they develop into all-star players, which I don't think, I definitely don't think all three of them will. I think, you know, maybe Ball or Ingram can. I don't know about Kuzma. I think he's, you know, going to be a really good scorer for a lot of time, but it's hard to be an all-star as Brandon Ingram gets a really nice steal. And then offense, oh my God. Brandon Ingram gets a steal. Chris Paul, after throwing away the ball, just stands there. And Ingram, before throwing it to the front court, gets a charge call. That's really unfortunate. That's um, a Chris Paul play. Too, that's man. a Chris Paul play right there. <laughs> he, he just, that's <laughs> such a Chris Paul play. Um, so, yeah, the, the Lakers are one of the toughest teams to kind of predict three years from now because they, so many things could change as, as soon as this summer. And if they strike out, how do the young guys develop? How do they spend their cap space? Because if they strike out, they're still going to have a good amount of it. So they're going to probably use it, you would think. Um, so a lot of things can change for this team in, in a couple of months, really. Oh, Eric Gordon with a nice crossover. Oh, Eric Gordon is having a really nice game so far. Has had a he's hit a three or two and has had a couple of nice drives to the rim um, early on in this quarter. He that's something that 
Eric Gordon's been doing a lot more this season. The Rockets are on a 12-5 run in the last 350. Um, Eric Gordon this year is shooting pretty poorly from the three-point line. I think he's down to 32 or 33%, but he's attacking the rim a lot more uh, recently to make up for it and and still get his production. He's still averaging over 19 points a game and is back to his six-man role with Chris Paul. back and healthy so nice to see Eric Gordon it's currently 25-23 Rockets with 38 seconds to go in the first Jordan Clarkson is at the free throw line right now if if you're watching on Periscope please send in questions or comments about the game Rockets Lakers NBA related etc seems like we've got a technical foul not sure on who but Chris Paul Chris Paul is taking the technical foul and he's and he makes it Luke Walton technical foul interesting I did not see or hear that because my game is on mute, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, 26-23 Rockets with 38 seconds to go in the first. And now Jordan Clarkson will be attempting his free throws. Pretty interesting first quarter. I mean, the Rockets started off really poorly. I think they were down 11-5. Obviously, I mentioned they were on a 12-5 run in the past couple of minutes. Um, they really changed things when, when Paul and, and Paul and, Hart and Gordon are in the backcourt now for the past couple of minutes. That's when the Rockets really ran on their run. So Gordon has come into the game with some energy attacking the rim. So that's been nice to see. And Clarkson makes both 26, 25, 38 seconds to go in the first quarter. Um, At the end of the first quarter, we'll probably talk about another NBA related topic because we did prepare notes for a regular podcast as if we were going to record one before deciding to do a periscope. Nene with a nice spin move and he gets fouled by Kyle Kuzma and we'll go to the line. Always a big fan of Nene. Yeah. Really nice spin move there. But look like look like Kuzma got mostly ball there. I mean, obviously it's tough to call Most him. Most solid right. defense, I thought. Yeah. Um, Nene, solid season. Eight points per game. Three, three rebounds per game. Shooting 66% from the field. Just missed the free throw, though, which he tends to do quite often. And Nene <laughs> rattles in the second one. 27-25, Rockets. Just about one possession left in the first quarter. Lakers have already gotten to the free throw line nine times. Rockets have attempted five free throws in the first quarter. And now we got Jordan Clarkson dribbling out the clock. Brandon Ingram. Now back to Clarkson. The Rockets switch. Luke Mabamute guarding Clarkson. Fade away. Mid-range shot, obviously a, rock, a shot that the Rockets hate, and Nene gets called. I believe it was on Nene, right? Yep, he tackled Randall to the floor, trying to fight for the rebound there. Let's see if it was a good call. It looks like Randall trips over Nene's leg, but because Nene was grappling with him, they figured that he threw him down. So Randall will go to the free throw line. I am that still. That was definitely a foul, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Randall this season, 12.6 points, 6.6 rebounds per game. I am still on Randall Island. I mean, there are a few of us left, um, but I, I still We're like Randall. And, and, and he's like a player that I usually wouldn't like as like a power forward. He really can't stretch the floor, isn't great defensively, but I, I like his motor. He can switch defensively and guard on the perimeter, um, and his post moves are pretty good sometimes. And we got Corey Brewer checking into the game, which means it's time for me to turn the game off before my eyes start bleeding. Why? Every time he checks in, I ask that question. I see what he provides, like, 
defensively in spurts, but yeah. oh, man. the key word is in spurts. So that's the end of the first quarter. 27, 27 Rockets, Lakers. Now, Corbin, let's, uh, let's talk about other things. I mean, I don't want to go through our podcast kind of segments like we would normally, but I do want to say that for my half court heave of the week, which is our prediction segment for those who aren't familiar with our podcast, I do predict that there will be at least two more coaches that are fired, um, either during the season or after the season. And I think the key candidates are Steve Clifford, Doc Rivers, and Jason Kidd. I mean, the Hornets are 8-13, and and I know they're they're in a lot of close games, um, but if they just keep losing the games and if, if they just can't get the job done in terms of wins and losses, I think Clifford could be gone. Doc Rivers obviously is a really prime candidate because, you know, most likely we expect the Clippers to start being sellers at the trade deadline. And it doesn't make sense to keep Doc Rivers if you're going to trade off guy like DeAndre Jordan and, and Lou Williams and kind of go in a quasi-rebuild. Um, mm-hmm. you know. So Doc Rivers is always a prime candidate. And then, of course, the guy I always bring up when it comes to coaching changes, Jason Kidd. I mean, the Bucks I think, are 12-9 and nine right now. Um, but I really think that, you know, if they struggle to get a top six seed or if they're bounced in the first round, um, again, if they're especially if they're bounced in the first round easily, I think that kid could be replaced, and I think that would be that would be that would do wonders for the Bucks organization. But those are the three candidates I have, or the three leading candidates for some coaches that I think could be fired during this season or maybe in the off season. I'm with you on that. I do have a question though. I know the Hornets have been underperforming, but Steve Clifford. I mean, he's been. If anything, I think he's been one of the best things for them as far as. I don't see anything wrong with his schemes. I haven't really been watching the Hornets that close, so I can't really say that with full certainty. But, like, I think it's more of a – I don't want to say it's execution down the stretch because in close games they're horrible. And then also, I mean, you know, you just got Nicholas Batum back. Dwight Howard's had a strong season and Kemba Walker as well. But offensively, um, Jerry, Jeremy Lamb as well off the bench I think has been really good, and even when he's been starting. But – there's not a lot of offensive versatility from them. You know what I mean? Kemba Walker still has a lot of pressure on him to create offensively. And I, I don't know if that's fault on Steve Clifford as much as the personnel he's, he's handed. You know what I mean? He's been, I thought he's been coaching them solidly. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, my thinking is not that he's been a bad coach or underperforming, as Will Farrell is at the Rockets-Lakers game. Um, my yes. thing is that I'm viewing it from basically an ownership slash management perspective of like the pressures on. I mean, they, they went 36 and 46 last year and they lost a bunch of close games. Really, they had, I think they had the point differential of like a 500 team, if not better, but they just couldn't get the jobs done in close games. So 36 and 46 last year, they're 8 and 13 this year. What happens if they again finish like 36 and 46 as Corey Brewer gets a steal, um, which is basically what he does. And Clarkson pulls up for a three. Um, so what happens if they do finish you know, 36 and 46 again and miss the playoffs. I mean, I think that Clifford is dealt a tough card because the, the team cannot score without Kemper Walker. Like, he has to drive everything. Um, mm-hmm. And Ryan Anderson just tried to bat the ball for a rebound, and Kuzma <laughs> takes it in, Anderson, and that is Lakers' ball. Um, but the thing is, like, I, I think he's done a good job, and I think he's a good coach, but... I'm looking at it as like man management slash ownership saying, hey, we've not made the playoffs for two years in a row, both kind of disappointing years, can't get it done in close games. You know, we've got a Kemba Walker's, you know, in his prime, so we got to take advantage of it. I, I think that that would be the decision of such a firing, but I'm not saying it, 
I'm not saying I would do the firing, but I'm saying that that's something that could happen. And the other ones, Doc Rivers just kind of makes more sense to get fired, especially if the Clippers kind of trade everyone away. Um, as Eric Gordon hits an and one layup or draws the and one as he hits a layup over Core Brewer. Um, and then Jason Kidd, as we, we've talked, I've talked about Jason Kidd enough on the show. I don't want to talk about it anymore, but, but I think that he's also a leading candidate. So that's my reasoning behind Clifford. Not that I would actually fire him if I was in the position to like run the, the Hornets organization, but I'm saying that yeah. the pressure could be on if they miss the playoffs again. I get you. I think I'm a little bit ahead of you on my stream because I just saw Julius Randle with the dunk. So interesting. So I, <laughs> okay, I think so. something happened. I'm a little ahead of you, but I was like, "Woo, sorry." As long as you don't say anything, I, I don't want to get things get spoiled. I'm, oh man, I just saw that. I just saw the dunk. Boy, is it monstrous! <laughs> See, that's I'm gonna why, pause that's, in a second. That's why I'm a Randall fan, and that was a weird kind of that was a weirdly rushed layup by Chris Paul there. Yeah, he's usually well he's to control. Really, and now Paul is kind of playing free safety on defense, sagging off Corey Brewer, which is what you can do because he can't shoot, really. Capella with a block on Kuzma. This is a weirdly sloppy start to the second quarter. Mm-hmm. That dunk, though, man. Just that hammer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm on Randall Island. He gets switched on to Chris Paul. Now, Randall is Randall's pretty capable of guarding on the perimeter. Let's see what happens here. Mm-hmm. And he fouls Paul on the pass-off, so... Paul beat him off the dribble, but I mean, obviously that's what guards are supposed to do against bigs, but. True. Excuse me, yeah. So we have got 32-29 Lakers. Sorry, 32-32 all after Eric Gordon hits a three. Eric Gordon's had a really nice game so far. I think he's got at least like 10 or 12 points. Mm-hmm. Rockets are 4 of 13 on threes. Lakers are two of seven, and, and this is interesting because there Luke Walton had the, those comments basically telling his team like, "Don't really just don't keep shooting threes because you're not that good of a shooting team." It was an interestingly perceived comment of uh, Walton basically telling him not to shoot threes because you know obviously everyone knows today's NBA everyone's you know going crazy about the three pointer. Obviously the Rockets go crazy about the three pointer, but and that was a foul on Randall. Um, what do you, what do you make of those comments of Walton basically telling his team like, "You guys aren't good shooters. You know don't take threes as much." I mean, I'm in. I agree with him fully because as a team, the Lakers are shooting 31 percent from three, which I mean, <laughs> that kind of just speaks for itself. And I mean, our our best three point shooter at this point right now is Kyle Kuzma at 37 percent, and Jordan Clarkson as well. But Julius Randle, who's not really a three point shooter, but we get it. He's at 25 percent. Josh Hart, 33 percent. Brandon Ingram, 31 percent. Um, Lonzo Ball, I don't even want to tell you. Actually, I will. It's 25% <laughs> for those who are interested, but geez. I mean, it's, it's kind of rough. Even Brooke Lopez having a down year from three. And mind you, he just started picking up three ball last year, but he's shooting 29% right now on four attempts on four attempts a game. So there's a high volume. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, he's shooting 34%, but he takes almost six a game. Lonzo takes five a game, <laughs> which, geez. Um, Kyle Kuzma <laughs> takes four a game. Brooke Lopez takes four. Firing away. But it's not helping if we can't knock it down. We're not the Rockets. You know, they take a, a, a just, a, as you know, a huge attempt at threes, but they make a good a good percentage of them. You know what I mean? So that helps them. Whereas with us, we take a huge bunch, and it just goes to a 7 for 31 for three or a 13 for 30-something for, for three. You know what I mean? Like, why do that to our detriment if we can get easier shots? Yeah. That's kind of how I see it. The, the interesting thing about the Rockets is that 
in recent years, they've always been like number one in terms of three-pointers attempted per game and three-pointers attempted mm-hmm. overall. But they've always been below league average in terms of three-point percentage. Now, this year, they've crept up after since Paul's return. They're shooting ab- above 40% from three as a team. And I, I don't know if that's going to sustain, but um, they've usually been pretty... Um, below average in terms of percentage, but just ta- they just make up for it by being such a high volume team in terms of attempts. This year they're making a lot more than usual, and that's why they're so deadly because obviously they attempt over I think forty five per game, which is absurd if you think about it. Um, so it's tough. I mean, I, I get why he's saying to kind of you know go for better shots, attack the rim more, makes more sense. Um, maybe later on in the season, as maybe their shots get more comfortable or they fall more, he'll kind of re encourage them to shoot threes. Mm-hmm. We got a commercial break after uh, Eric Gordon, by the way, has 18 points already. And Chris Paul just hit a rare, rare mid-range jumper that you'll see from the Rockets. Uh, he was looking to pass it off. And then he was like, oh, wait, this is the shot that I'm good at. Let me take it. And then he switched it in. I think he's still fighting that, to be honest with you. The yeah. urge. Because you see him sometimes bring it up and go, should I shoot this? It's kind of early. You know, what, what should I do right here? Which is funny for someone who's been in the NBA, you know, 13, 14 years now. But it's a, it's a whole new style of game. You know, he has he has no leash, you know? Yeah. Even the one he puts on himself. I mean, his his attempts, his three-point attempt rate is 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 way up. Um, so someone sending a Periscope set question says, y'all happy you're 14 and three, but we'll lose in the first round. I'm not sure who that's referring to, but <laughs> neither team is 14 I mean, he's not talking about the Lakers. That must be a rocket troll. I guess. Uh, Rockets are 17 and four, and I... Doubt they're losing the, I doubt they're losing the first round, but you never know. <laughs> um, but uh, what was I saying before? Oh, yeah. So um, Chris Paul is taking a lot less mid-range jumpers and a lot more three-pointers. But I True. think it'd be great to see him take uh, you know at least two to three of his comfortable mid-range jumpers again. Because they're going to need that in the playoffs when, um, you know, last year against the Spurs, the Spurs basically said, we're going to guard you at the three-point line and we're going to guard you at the rim. We're not going to guard you in the in the perimeter because we like we know you don't like to take mid-range jumpers. Now if they have Chris Paul, if they face the same matchup and, and the defense does the same thing, then the, Chris Paul can just say, oh, I'll take these mid-range jumpers. I'm one of the best mid-range shooters in the league. So I, I like to see him keep shooting those to stay comfortable on those shots. True. Plus, it throws the defensive scheme off because at this point, the book is written. They like to eat, eat threes or, or easy attempts at the rim. So, if you sprinkle in a couple of mid-range jumpers to keep the defense honest. So, you know, hey, if we're going to permit that lob for Capella, we have to know that Chris Paul will just take a step inside and knock down a, a, a long two, which he's good at. Very good at. So, I get that as well. I, I think that works. Exactly. <laughs> Chris Paul has attempted to throw it uh, when Capella sets a screen and then kind of starts running to the rim. Paul has thrown at least three mm-hmm. to four passes were just over the head of the of the defenders and it's not working out because they're either getting a tip on it or Capella's having trouble um, sure. corralling the ball. Oh, and this is just for me, but I, I just got on Periscope as well. So if anybody, I got three people in mind right now. If y'all watching, I'm doing a um, podcast here with Eric, 94 Fuel Report Podcast. So if you have any questions or anything, just send them my way. If you log on, you see me not really saying anything. It's because Eric over here is talking, just listening, sharing feedback. But Definitely be a part of it. All right, come on and send the questions you may have. Yeah, let me uh, let me retweet your tweet of Periscope thing. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm like I see people logging in, looking, going, "Why are they just looking at someone not saying anything?" Look at the camera, like, mm. "Yeah, I know." Right? That's I keep telling people. Yeah, for people who are just tuning into my Periscope feed, we are recording an episode of the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast. We decided to watch. Rockets Rocks. Lakers for most of our game for most of the podcast. So that's why if I'm not talking, it's Corbin talking, and if not, we're 
just watching the game. Uh, Rockets have jumped out to a 39-32 lead. James Harden is back in with Chris Paul, and he just hit a three-pointer. And now Chris Paul is absolutely dancing. Oh, my God. And Capella blows the layup because if you watch the Rockets, that's what he does on a pretty regular basis. Hey, he, he comes in huge for y'all. I think he's he's going to become y'all, um, I want to say, a better Zaza Pachulia for the Warriors. Because he, he does, you know, he does little things. He helps out. He gets some... I remember that game against the Cavs where he knocked down some big free throws, but as many easy dunks that he gets and as many <laughs> easy finishes he gets to the rim, he missed a couple of layups where he bobbles a couple of passes and, you know, the Rockets to it, the Rockets fandom all over him. I don't watch enough Rockets, though, so I need to hear what you think about that, but y'all need to get off Capella, man. No, 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 he plays I'm, a, well. I'm, a, I'm a big Capella fan. I think, he, I mean, he's already really good, but I think he's going to be even better. I mean, he he's going to be, he is good. But he has some really serious potential because he's great at defending the rim. Kuzma hits a, th- a deep three. Um, mm-hmm. He's good at defending the rim. He's perfect for the Rockets because he doesn't demand any post-ups. He just sets the screens and attacks the rim and catches lobs and defends the rim on defense. So he's the perfect center for the Rockets, and he's good. The only thing is that sometimes his hands are pretty hit or miss, and, and sometimes that blows a lot of highlight passes. But reg- besides that, as Harden drives past Brook Lopez for another dunk, um, it's forty-one thirty-five. Rockets six thirty to go in the Two second. Weeks. I'm high on Capella. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. So we got Brandon Ingram now, and Ingram's going to attack Trevor Ariza. Gets a mid-range look and buries it. Ingram has mm-hmm. looked pretty good tonight. The Rockets have been, the Rockets have been not doing a great job of fighting over screens to try and get back on their man. They've really just been, you know, doing some pretty lazy switching. As Ryan Anderson takes a deep three and misses. You would think they're on the second night of one, right? <laughs> yeah, right. This is how the Rockets play a lot during the first half. <laughs> I know. The problem is the second half when they wake up and my Lakers get blown out by like 30, and that's what I'm worried about. And there's that Lopez swinging the arms for the foul move that uh, a lot of people hate. Mm-hmm. It's big. But see, this, I mean, even just a couple of possessions ago, Alonzo Ball brought the ball down and created a nice open three for Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson was wide open and missed the three. We could have those attempts all night, and, and sometimes when we break out and go in transition, those are the type of threes that we get. But if we don't make them, then it just goes as another attempt made and missed. It's not- yeah, and Ryan Anderson just went to the locker room, it looks like. I'm not sure. So there you go, Luke Walton. Saying, hey, just- wow, airball by KCP. Lovely. Anderson. That's the kind of stuff I like to see the Lakers fan. Hmm. Interesting. Anderson is went. Anderson, after fouling Lopez, immediately signaled to the bench and walked straight to the locker room. I'll have to find out what's going on with him. Seems like he hurt his back or something. Uh oh. He does have some issues. See, now I just saw that KCB air ball, so your game's pretty ahead of mine, so. I'm about to pause it, try to sync up with you. I'm going to wait till like the 528 mark. So when you get there, and now let Harden, me know. Harden's got Lopez on him. I'm at the 534 mark, so. And Harden drives right by him easily. I don't know what Harden's doing. He's just dancing for fun, I guess. And he gets fouled pretty hard by KCP. Um, I mean, the thing is, the Rockets will just continue to do that. They'll just continue to get Brooke Lopez switched onto Paul or Harden and, and drive by him. Someone comments on my Periscope, Rockets and Cavs for the finals. As much as that would be a really fun and entertaining series, I just I doubt it. I still don't think the Rockets can beat the Warriors. I think they're, they're closer and they're closer than most people probably expected coming into the season. But I think that still, when the Warriors are fully healthy, it's it's, it's so hard to beat them four times in a seven-game series. But I think the Rockets are, are, are a lot closer. Like the, I, don't, I don't think it'd be crazy for the Rockets to push it to six games and, and, and you know, four or five of them be really competitive. But True. Oh, by the way, quick question, Eric. Where are you at on time? 
I'm at five twenty three in the second quarter. Okay, so I should be I should be right there as well. Just saw this. Oh, I'm at. Oh, I'm a little ahead. You're at five sixteen. Yeah, Brook Lopez already with the alpha. Yeah, Brook Lopez uses arm to hook PJ Tucker in the post. It's forty two thirty seven Rockets right now. Man, and I like the way we're playing so far. It's kind of on the Rockets' sloppy offensive game right now and defensively just lackadaisical. But at the same time, you know, Lakers are sticking in it right now. Yeah. Um, by the way, it looks like Anderson hurt his back. They showed a replay of him shooting a three and grimacing, holding his back. This guy says, who do you think might end up going to the finals? I, as much as I hate to say it, I still think it's Cavs-Warriors. I, I, the Cavs have turned it on, and their defense is still not super good, but it's going to be good enough in the playoffs, come playoff time, and obviously their offense will be great. Um, and the Warriors are, the, are just the Warriors. So, I mean, unless the Celtics can use their really, really great defense to kind of stymie the Cavs, I, just, I still think it's going to be Cavs-Warriors for a fourth straight time. Harden is really trying to dance. I'm not sure. What's up? Harden is dancing and then just throws a weird pass uh, across court that gets tipped out of bounds. Yeah, they're they're being kind of weird right now. I'm not really sure what's going on. (laughs) Harden sometimes does this. I mean, he usually does it in a blowout, but he, I mean, he got a lot of family and friends in LA, so maybe he wants to put on a show, but not the smartest (laughs) thing to do. And Chris Paul takes a contested mid-range and he makes it because that's what Chris Paul does. 44-37, 44-37, Rockets 4-47 in the second quarter. Chris Paul with 8 points and 3 assists so far. And we've got the Lakers, Art. Kuzma, and, and KCP trying to attack. Brennan Ingram gets a, gets Eric Gordon on a pump fake. And Gordon, I think, fouls Ingram. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is Chris Paul against Lonzo Ball. Contested kind of side fadeaway mid-range shot. And that's what it is. I don't. Has Lonzo scored today yet? I, I, I haven't seen it. He had one wide open three that he bricked, but you know, Lonzo. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I don't <laughs> think he scored. I mean, he feeds Larry Nance in the post. Nice post move over Mabamute. If you're on the Periscope feed, feel free to always send in questions or comments. We've got 4:15 left in the second quarter. Um, Rockets, Lakers, 44-39, uh, 46-39 Rockets, excuse me, after Harden hits a layup. And saying to the people following my stream, like, if y'all see me, like, if you have any questions or something, let me know. Because we're doing this together, me and Eric, right now. So sometimes we'll be talking, I'll be silent, just looking at y'all, or looking at the game. Same thing on his end. So have any questions or any feedback, come on, just let us know. Keep it coming. And Rockets miscommunications leaves Kyle Kuzma wide open for three, and he bricks it, which is uncommon to see but they left him wide open. Chris Paul with another mid-range, and it's well short. Chris Paul, I think, just had Eric Gordon wide open, but he did not see him. So, another question. Do you think Lonzo Ball is a bust? Um, I will never I will never label anyone anything after, what, like 22 or 23 games. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we, we had, uh, there was an article by one of our writers on 94feetreport.com about the Lakers, young guys, Lonzo and Ingram, Basically saying, let's just give him time to develop. I mean, Ingram struggled a lot last year in his rookie year, and this year he's playing much better. So, you know, what happens if Lonzo next year, he struggles this year, what happens if Lonzo next year shoots a lot better, you know, above average from three, and he plays better? And then he's the complete role reversal in terms of um, narrative. So I will never declare someone a bust or a stud, you know, 23 games into the season. I mean, obviously, 
if Lonzo mm-hmm. was putting up triple doubles every night and averaging a triple double, we'd think, oh yeah, like he's going to be really good. And Donovan Mitchell has been really good, and Jason Tatum's been really good, and they've been a lot of other rookies that are really good. Obviously, Ben Simmons has been incredible, um, but I'll never really go that bust route so early into a player's career. Yeah, I mean, now if it comes like year three and he's having like a Michael Carter Williams type, like if that's what he kind of goes into, which I think at his worst is his close comparison, to be honest, but. If it goes that route, then I'll be like, I don't know. But at this point, it's much too early to tell, even though I, I will not lie and say that I was and at times am worried about him, you know? Yeah, I mean, if we get to year three, that's a whole nother story. I mean, I think even after mm-hmm. two years, like some players are late developers, that's all. True. And Mabamute Yeah, we don't need another Anthony Bennett, though, or anything like yeah. that. Mute no. is a three- 49-40 Rockets, three minutes to go in the second quarter. Um, at the end of the first half, we will end the recording of the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast, most likely. And uh, we might continue the Periscope for a little bit longer. Probably not the whole game, but the Lakers are crashing the boards with a lot of energy, but not successful at all. Um, Rockets <laughs> Thanks, can, Eric. Ro- <laughs> Rockets can get a double-digit <laughs> lead here. Let's see. Harden is dancing on Lonzo, as we probably wanted to. And he's, oh, man. I mean, what a move there. That hurt to see, to be honest with you. It's one of those moves, and and he does it on almost on a nightly basis. It's one of those moves where it's like it just looks so ineffective and like slow, and it's just like methodical, and it almost works like every time. And what a oh beautiful pass there by Harden to Gordon. I mean, that's the kind of connection and relationship that that you get when you have two great point guards on the floor, one at all times with. Paul Harden. I mean, there's always Paul Harden on the floor, which means all these other role players and shooters are always going to get either good looks or smart passes, or it's sure. something that I don't something that very other few teams can have um, on the floor, which will give the Rockets an advantage over every other team except like the Warriors and maybe the Cavs when Isaiah Thomas comes back for them. And, and if gotta, the Thunder put it all together, no, nah, I'm playing. And if the Thunder ah. put it all together, they, I mean, That'd be nice. that's the thing. They they would. There, there are a few teams that can have one one true like superstar top 10 or top 15 player at all times like the Warriors can do it the Rockets can do it you know the Cavs I don't Isaiah Thomas is not a top 15 player but he's a top 15 offensive player when healthy I'd say so yeah, there are a few teams that can kind of have an elite creator on the floor at all times and we've got what will probably be the final timeout before halftime so let's see if we can uh address another kind of NBA general related topic I got one um Okay. Let's, let's talk about the Jazz because they are they've won five straight and they went down to seven and eleven and you know Rudy Gobert goes down they lose a bunch in a row they're down to seven eleven and all of a sudden they win five straight and mainly due to you know obviously great performances from they got guys like Donovan Mitchell Derek Favors Derek Favors last five games I tweeted this out and somehow it got like two hundred twenty likes so I think Jazz fans are very passionate on Twitter um, Favors last five games. 18.6 points per game, 9 rebounds per game, 3.4 assists per game, 1.2 steals per game, and and 1.2 blocks per game, shooting 73% from the floor. And obviously we had Donovan Mitchell explode for 41 to beat the Pelicans in his kind of coming out moment of the season so far. Um, I, I just want to give credit to the Jazz, give credit to Quinn Snyder, because the team is winning not only after Gordon Hayward left them, and you know, left them kind of devoid of an elite, consistent wing scorer. But they they're doing this without Rudy Gobert, who now is their best player after Gordon Hayward left. And you know, guys like Derek Favors are doing a lot better. Donovan Mitchell's assumed a bigger role, and he's actually shooting pretty efficiently. Um, 
I'm reading a question from Periscope and it kind of disappeared for me. Um, but oh, yeah, I hate when it happens. <laughs> right? The, the questions don't stay up long enough. Periscope, that's my feedback for you. Um, so I just want to I just want to give credit to the Jazz really quickly during this timeout because I think it's super impressive with the you know they're not playing the prettiest style of basketball but Donovan Mitchell super exciting Derek Favors is having a really good year ahead of becoming a free agent so I just want to give a shout out to the Jazz and Quinn Snyder for doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And and not only that but have you seen NBA Twitter just go a buzz over Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell yeah, takes? That's super that was that was kind of weird to see today. I was like okay, it's so weird. I mean. I, I'm not a huge Jamal Murray fan. I'm a pretty big Donovan Mitchell fan, so I probably would actually take Mitchell at this point. Obviously, it's early. Murray's in his second year, and his three-point shot has like pretty much disappeared this year. Um, yeah. But Jeez. Mitchell, I, I just I was really high on Mitchell coming in. Like, I mean, first of all, it's funny because the Nuggets could have Mitchell if they didn't trade away the 13th pick to the to the Jazz. <laughs> but that would mm-hmm. be really funny if they were on the same team. And probably, you know, Mitchell probably wouldn't be getting this big of a role if he was on the Nuggets with guys like yeah. Murray and, and Moutier and Barton and Gary Harris, you know, ahead of him. Sure. Someone says the Jazz should have given Gordon easy. Hayward an extension. Um, well, he was an unrestricted Stop. free agent. <laughs> so they, I mean, it was his choice. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, it was Gordon Hayward's choice. He was an unrestricted free agent and he chose to go to the Boston. The Jazz couldn't just, you know, force him to sign an extension, unfortunately yeah. for them. <laughs> <laughs> But one thing to talk about the Jazz real quick, they have a brutal stretch coming up between December 9th and December 20th where they play road games in Milwaukee and then exclude Chicago, but Boston, <laughs> then Cleveland, then Houston, and then Oklahoma City. Yeah, that And is- then on December 27th, they go to Oracle to play the Warriors, and then they come home on December 30th to play the Cavs on LeBron James' 33rd birthday. That is so brutal. I mean, good thing they're getting mm-hmm. the winning streak now. I mean... They can probably win like two of those games, but you never know. It's the Jazz. Watch them pull out like four or five of them. Exactly. And and, and Rudy Gobert oh, is still if you meet with reevaluate. Ooh. Sorry, Harden just hit another three. They're doing the Lakers yeah, Harden's playing cringy. so well. Harden has fourteen points in the second, eighteen points in the half. They're doing he's playing so well that when he's attacking their bigs, they're bringing another guy kind of as like a secondary help. Not a true double team, but trying to scare Harden from driving away. It's a very interesting defensive scheme. And it hard, is, but it opens up openings all over the floor for shooters at the same time. Yeah, it's ri- it's very risky. Mm-hmm. And, and we're down thirteen. That's a yeah over the back on Larry Nance on Harden. Yeah, and he's back to the line. Lovely man. You see, and just like <sighs> that, that, and this is what the Rockets do though. They they play very sloppy for about a quarter and a half, and then they pull away right in the final minutes to the half, and then by the middle third quarter, the game is usually over. Now. This is interesting because the Rockets, as I mentioned earlier, have been playing a pretty easy schedule so far in the past you know, couple of weeks. Um, and their schedule in December is not impossibly difficult, but it's much harder. They've got, you know, they've got a bunch of – they have a six-game homestand, which is very comfortable. But they've got Spurs, Bucks, at the Thunder. Um, I think they play – who is it? They play at the Jazz on Thursday. And, and it's always tough to play at Utah. So they've got much more – they got a couple more difficult games this month, which is why I'm interested to see because the Rockets have been blowing teams out, but they've been really mediocre teams. So, true. Oh, Ingram and I finish. What I thought was interesting is James Harden. I thought was playing sluggish, but the dude is seven for ten from the field. That that's what happens, man. He he looks like he's playing <laughs> sluggish almost every night. That's the way he plays. Like, yeah, it's just it's kind of weird. It's like you know how Chase McGrady looked out of it. Yeah. You know, just when he was playing. James Harden plays almost like he's out of it. Not one point do you go, oh, well, he has moments where he absolutely just takes over down the stretch. But then there's times where you go, oh, he's just, oop, Trevor Reza gets the breakaway. But there's times when he's like, 
it just seems like he's kind of sleepwalking through the game. And then he ends up with like 18 points on 7 to 10 shooting with like 6 assists. And you're like, what? Yeah, I mean, so, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. I think a lot of people don't like Harden's style of play because he plays like he, like he just non, very nonchalant. Um, mm-hmm. But I, compared to Russell Westbrook, I mean, Westbrook will just be explosive, dunks, energetic, expressive. Harden's just like, I will kill you with very slow kind of, looks like I'm playing in slow motion kind of moves and I'll just do it very silently. Look, You'll think I'm playing very sluggish and poor, but meanwhile you look up and I have 25 points in, at half or something like that. Yeah, very deliberate, you know. I like the way he's also adjusted with the new foul changes this season. Yeah, I mean, he's still, I mean, people, there are people... Yeah, there are people who are like, oh, he can't score without fouls, and it's just like, it's not true. And so we got. All right, so, I mean, your stream's probably ahead of mine, so it's probably halftime. There's 0.6 seconds left on mine as the the Lakers just missed uh, the shot clock with a Kyle Kuzma layup. But, but no. that will do it for uh, the wow. first half. Um, wait, Jake. Oh, one of our writers, Jake for 94. Uh, oh, I noticed the shout out, bro. <laughs> Harden's, Harden's prime or CP3's prime? What a interesting question. Probably what a great question to kind of end our uh, our episode of the 94 Feet Report podcast. We can go on for a little bit more, but uh, so Harden's prime or CP3's prime? Hmm. Let me think about this. Actually, I mean, if I you think... if you come up with an answer first, please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are we are we in Harden's prime? I mean, at yeah. this point, do we think the next like let's say last season, this season, and maybe the next season? I think I think from the fourteen fifteen season that his first year of running up MVP to Curry fourteen fifteen I think was the first year of okay. Harden's like Harden's real prime. So if we're going yeah. fourteen fifteen on at least. So that's fourteen. That's this is his fourth year of, of what I would consider his his real prime. And boy, yeah. is it it's spectacular. I mean. I, I I think I would take his honestly. I, I that's what I'm saying too because if you uh, and not many people really remember this team or or want to remember it, but the 14 the 2014-15 Houston Rockets was one of the most talent devoid rosters to win 56 games I've ever seen. I mean, Dwight they had Dwight Howard, but he only played 41 games. They had Donatus Moniunis in the best and probably only good season of his career um, for about 72 games where he put up like 12 and a half points. Beverly missed, I think, 30 games. Trevor Ariza was their second probably best player who played on a nightly basis. Tariq Black, who's now back with the Rockets as a third string center, was their starting center for, I think, 20 to 30 games. Joey Dorsey started, I think, 15 to 20 games. Oh, Lord, I, I mean, forgot about him. This, I mean, this team, uh, you, I mean, yeah, when, you, when we finish tonight, you should go look on basketball reference, the 2014-15 Houston Rockets, and you'll say, how in the holy hell did this team win 56 games? And the answer uh, I, is James Harden. And my thing is, yeah. like, does Chris Paul, is Chris Paul able to lead that team to 56 wins? Because I think Harden's obviously just more of an uh, unstoppable kind of takeover scorer that Paul just never was. Um, and obviously, I think Paul's, like, a, a better leader slash, like, floor general as a traditional point guard, but we don't need tradition. Like I hate the traditional point guard label now because Harden, if Harden was a point guard last year, it worked out pretty well. Exactly. I think that's my like second hated label next to game manager. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Like what's your role? You know what I mean? Those are the two ones that, that irritate me, but yeah, last year, yeah, he was a point guard. And I think he was a, a darn good job at it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's that's really tough. Goal. Oh, this guy at halftime hits swishing a three. Um, it's it's tough, but I think that because of, because of the kind of scoring aspect and the way he can take over games as a scorer, Harden, I think that's what pushes me over the edge in terms of his prime over CP3s. And I think Harden still has 
you know, maybe two to three more years off his prime. I mean, the way he plays, I feel like he'll be pretty good up until like 32, which, and then, you know, maybe 32, he'll, he'll have a slight decline. But I think the way he plays, and this is like Paul too, because Paul's not in his prime anymore, but I think Paul could be pretty good still for another, you know, three to four years, just the way he plays and, and manages the game. I think Harden's similar. Like Harden takes a lot of contact when he drives to get fouls, but otherwise he doesn't play super aggressive. He doesn't rely on his athleticism like a Russell Westbrook, like, Westbrook, if his athleticism declines, you know, he's in trouble. But Harden does not really rely on that. Sure. If Westbrook, when, when his athleticism goes down, it, it's gonna, it's, it could get ugly. Yeah. I mean, if he becomes like a really, really, he's already a pretty good mid-range shooter from three. He's shaky. He had a really good year last year. This year, I mean, he's having a down season in general this year. But if he can become a better shooter and just learn to play more in pace, and this I'm referring to Westbrook, then he'll be okay. If not, it could go downhill very fast. Like, yeah, it, it could be rough. But I'm looking at the 2014-2015 Rockets team. I'm sorry, I couldn't wait till the end. <laughs> and I already knew it was a problem when you have JB Bickerstaff on your coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, that um, would, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he was the assistant for a while in Houston. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like you said, Dwight only played 41 games. Um, Pablo Prigioni, he was okay then. But yeah, you had Francisco Garcia still. I mean, Jason Nick Terry, Johnson. Jason I think those two in the NBA. Huge role in that team too. Yep, um, Alexi Schved after his Minnesota day. So, I mean, his productive stage already left him on that point. Yeah, Of course, so KJ McDaniels. Quite the uh, – I mean, it's really uh, – that team does not really win 56 games without just an unstoppable season by Harden. And that's a season I don't think Paul can have. Like, maybe if, if you put Paul on that team, um, mm-hmm. if you put prime CP3 on that team, they might win, like, 50 games. But I think that's that six-win difference is, is why I'd still take Harden's prime over, over Paul's. Someone says, what's I mean, the, I, uh-huh. someone's asked, what's the score on Periscope? It's 61-46 Rockets at the half. Yep. I will compare that, this 2014-2015 Rockets team for Harden for the 2007-2008 New Orleans team for um, Paul. Yeah, like that. that yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's, a, it's a great question by Jake. And, and Jake rep- replied to us on Periscope saying that he has Harden barely over Paul. So we, we're, we're all in agreement. Um all right, Thanks for so, the check update. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to – I mean, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up the uh, the podcast? Oh, no, man. I think we got some pretty good stuff in. Pre- it was kind of fun to do this. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we'll, might do this more in the future. Um, all right. So you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros MBA. You can follow our site and podcast on Twitter at the 94 Feet Report. Again, Check out Draft. I highly recommend if you play Draft, if you play Daily Fantasy and you and usually play DraftKings or FanDuel, um, you have a better chance of winning on Draft. And you can do a snake draft to fill out your lineup. There's no salary cap. You have a better chance because you're not going up against these pros who just set these automatic lineups every day. Um, and when you enter, when you sign up with Draft, use promo code 94FEET in all caps and you'll get free entry into a contest with your first deposit. I've been playing it this whole week. Um, I've been having a lot of fun with it. So check out Draft and use promo code 94 Four feet in all caps. Uh, Corbin, why don't you throw out where people can follow you and find your work? All right, so you got me at Corbin Ford NBA, and then um, I have should have an article come out this week on the worst free agent signings for this past year for their respective teams on the Night for Feet Report podcast. Hopefully, I'll get that up this week, but you can definitely find me there. All right, everyone, follow Corbin, follow myself, and follow our site and uh, show on Twitter at the Ninety Four Feet Report and check us out. Um, at 94feetreport.com. We'll be back later in the week with our traditional kind of un- unsegmented, unfiltered episode um, on Thursday or Friday. Um, so have a great week of watching NBA basketball, guys. Take care.